Well, amen. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk. And I'm not kidding you, that really is in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter number one. If you'll turn there with me, Habakkuk chapter number one. I'll give you a moment to get there. And I pray that you are doing well today. How many of you ever had troubles in your life? couple of you have? Okay. Well, this message is just for a couple of you then here today. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you've asked, where's God? Now, I'm not saying that you're questioning God, his existence, but you're wondering, where's God? Where, where, where is God in the midst of troubles? Where's God in the midst of dark days? Maybe there's situations that happen in your home. And every so often you just think to yourself, where's God? Why isn't he fixing this? Why, why isn't he doing something to relieve us of this pain or this suffering? Where's God? Maybe you look at the condition of the world and you say to yourself, where's God? How could all of this violence and crime and how could all the things that we see take place in our world, where's God? Matter of fact, there's many of people, many of people that because they don't see God, they see just all of the things that are happening in this world, they question, is God even real? Does God even care? I think all of us at some time in our life we've either been or will be at a place where we wonder, where's God? Where is he? These last 22 months, you ever question, where's God? This uh, last couple weeks before Christmas, this probably from really little before November through December, even up through this week, I have said often, God, what are you doing? To be at funerals week after week, I said to my wife not long ago, we took off just, just because of traveling and everything that goes on. The, the Wednesday before Christmas, we didn't have service. We had our Christmas Eve service. And, and uh, then the, the, the Wednesday between Christmas and New Year, a lot of people are traveling. And this year, a lot of people were sick. And, and I said to my wife, and don't get mad at me, church. I said, I'm looking forward to having a couple Wednesdays off. How many of you think I'm not right with God for thinking that? I know you were thinking the same thing. I've already had people ask me, what are you doing on Christmas next year? It's on a Sunday. And, um, and so you're looking for that time off. And, 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 and I was just being carnal. I, I guess I was too. And instead of having off, both of those Wednesdays, I was standing at a funeral home or before a, a family, and we had a funeral. And I said to my wife, boy, I was looking forward to some time off, and instead I was still preaching funerals. This uh, last couple of days, these last several days coming into this new year, I have said this to my wife on several occasions. I wish we just had a reset button. Let's start over. No sickness this year, no problems this year, no, no issues this year, no funerals this year. Let's just, how many of you wish the last couple days, last few days, two weeks of this, this new year would have been just 80, sunny 80, no problems, million dollars in your bank account and everybody was healthy. How many of you would have longed for that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Bunch of covet, covetous people, my goodness. Where's God? Because if God loved us, why aren't we experiencing that? Where's God? You see, in the book of Habakkuk, this book describes the days that we're living in. Habakkuk, like us today, are living in uncertain times. Habakkuk was living in a day where he asked this question, where is God? 
He asked this question in all of our troubles and everything that Israel is going through at the days of Habakkuk. He's asking this question, where is God in all of the crime? Here, here Israel is about ready to be taken over by Babylon. And the people are living in sin. The people are serving other idols. It's gotten so bad that God has said this, I'm going to just move my people out of their land and make them make them go into bondage. The Assyrian army has come and taken Israel. The Babylonian army is going to come and overthrow Judah. Jerusalem is going to be decimated. The walls are going to be torn down. The temple is going to be burned and all of the, the, the things there in the temple are going to be taken away into Babylon. And it just seems like the, the world that he's living in is falling apart in all of his crime and all the hatred and all of the disease. Where's God? Because if he loved us, if he cared, why are we going through this? Some may ask this question, has God lost control? Is things, are things just so bad that God's lost control? Or, or is it that God just doesn't care? Wouldn't it be a horrible thing to realize that God has forsaken the human race and he doesn't care? There's a problem. This problem is causing many, many, many people to stumble. In Habakkuk chapter, Habakkuk has three chapters and three very short chapters. And I would encourage you, today we're not going to read through all three chapters, but I would encourage you, read through this book. And, and I, on purpose this week, was reading through Habakkuk and just asking myself that same question, God, where are you? And I was encouraged by what Habakkuk found. You see, in chapter number three, if we were just to take and just kind of outline these three chapters and put a theme over each chapter, chapter one would be this. Habakkuk says, God, where are you? How are you letting all of these things happen? That's what would be the, the outline for chapter number one. Chapter number two of the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk receives a proper perspective from God when God chooses to speak. Now, now understand this. God does not give Habakkuk necessarily the answer. What God does is he reveals himself to Habakkuk. Sometimes you're not going to get answers. You've got to be content with just knowing God is in control. Chapter number three, Habakkuk begins to praise God. He went from, he went from chapter number one, God, where are you? To chapter number three, where he begins praising God, not because the circumstances have been removed, but in the circumstances, in the dark, dark days, he's giving God praise because he sees God. Listen to me this morning, church. Peace is not the subtraction of problems. It is the addition of power to meet those problems. When you see God for who he rightfully is, he's greater than any problem that you might have. Chapter number two, look with me in Habakkuk chapter two. So that's kind of the outline of the book of Habakkuk. In chapter number two, look with me in verse number four. We're gonna read a verse and some of you are gonna say this. That verse sounds familiar. That's because you'll find this also in the book of Romans, in the book of Galatians, in the book of Hebrews. It tells us the same thing this verse tells us. Look with me, read with me, chapter two, verse number four. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The author of Romans and Paul in Galatians and the author of Hebrews tells us the same thing. The just shall live by faith. You see, there's something that is required for every single Christian, and that's called faith. How many of you wish you had a crystal ball and you knew what tomorrow would hold? Yeah. How many of you wish you knew? I, I can make good decisions as long as I know what the outcome is going to be. 
But we're not called, we're not called to live because we know what tomorrow's going to hold. We're called to live by faith because we know who holds tomorrow. And there's a big difference. And so I want you to write this down. Please write this down. Number one, faith does not live by explanation, but by promises. Faith does not live by explanation, but by promises. Faith is not, I know because it's been explained to me, but it is this, I know because God is in control. You see, if God had to explain every single thing that he was doing to us, that would not then be faith. Faith is Christian. We're going through difficult times and we wonder in those difficult, difficult times, God, where are you? And God, why don't you do something about this? And God, why don't you resolve this? But I don't need to know the answer. I just need to know that you're there. And so faith does not live by explanation, but it lives by promise. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter number one. And let's see what Habakkuk says. The burden which Habakkuk, the prophet, did see. Verse two of chapter one. O Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. How long? He says, how long am I going to cry and you're not going to hear me? How long are we going to endure this violence and you're going to choose to remain silent, not save us? He had been praying and things just didn't seem to get better. Have you ever come to the place in your life where you're earnestly praying for something and it seems like nothing's changing? It seems like heaven's quiet. I mean, there's a situation, and, and it's not that you're being selfish. It's not that you're being uh, 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 selfish in your request or just, just about you. No, there is some serious things going on. There are some serious things going on in my life, in my home, and in, in those lives of those that I love. And I need you, God, to intervene in this. I need you to get involved in this. And this is where Habakkuk, he starts off this chapter, and he says, how long, Lord, are you going to remain? quiet. I'm crying out to you. I'm praying. I'm asking you, how long are you going to allow this to happen? And I hear nothing. That first cry here, when he says this, how long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee. That word cry, really, it's two different words, two different meanings. That first cry means this, to cry for help. As someone that needed help, just crying for help. That second word cry, the second time we see that, it's more of a scream, more of a shouting at God. Where are you? One is I'm crying in pain. The other is I'm crying out to you. Where are you? Have you ever shouted to God? Where are you? There's something that you're dealing with. There's an issue that you're going through. I think of even the Danforth family. I talked to two of Earl's kids yesterday, and they're crying out, God, please get involved. Please do something. The longer that you're in one place and the longer you pastor the same group of people and you begin to know their hurts and their heartache, I know there are some of you today that you're crying out, God, where are you? And this is not just a cry that is coming in a day, but this might be months or years. This might just seem like heaven is silent and there's no answer was coming. And that's where Habakkuk is at. In this passage of scripture, he's crying out, Lord, answer me, please. I just need to know that you're there. I see this, the problem. Number one in this is there was a problem of heaven's silence. Number two, I see this as well. There is a earth's sinfulness. Look with me in chapter number three. He says in verse one and two, God, you're silent. Verse number three, he says, the earth is so sinful. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance for spoiling and violence are before me? 
and there are that rise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slacked. The judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. That word slack or that is paralyzed. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, meaning this. It seems like no one cares. It seems like the moral compass. No one, everyone's lost their moral compass. And I, I read through this and I thought to myself, if this doesn't describe the day today that we're living in, Families are hurting, families. I'm talking about good families that serve God and love God. They're, they're, they're dealing with things in their home and their life and they're saying, heaven is silent, God, where are you? And then they're looking out like Habakkuk and they're saying, the condition of this world, the sinful condition of man, they've lost their moral compass. The moral condition of Habakkuk's day is terrible crime and destruction and disease. It was just an awful, awful place. Jeremiah the prophet is a contemporary to Habakkuk. He and Habakkuk were prophets at the same time. I want you to just go back a few pages to the book of Jeremiah. Would you find Jeremiah, go back in the Old Testament? If you're studying through one of the things I think you'll enjoy, I've had several people, I told you last week or so, that I began to read through this year, the Chronological Bible, and I had several people ask me, you know, give me, give me that program, I like to read through it. And one of the things that I love to read in the Chronological Bible is because you will then find where things that are happening at the same time that you didn't realize. The book of Jeremiah and the book of Habakkuk are actually happening during the same time period. So if you want to find out uh, Habakkuk's day and Jeremiah's day, we can go to both of these passages of scripture, Jeremiah chapter number five, and look with what, this is what Jeremiah says of Habakkuk's day. He says this, a, a wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The land is filled with sin. He says the prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule by their means and, and my people love to, to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? He, he is saying this, there's such violence in the land and, and the, the men of God, the priests who are supposed to be preaching and supposed to be standing for right, they've taken the side of wrong and the people want it. The people that know better, the people, the, the preachers, the priests, the prophets, They've lost their moral compass. They no longer preach the law. They're preaching what they want to preach. They're giving in to sin. They're giving in to, to idolatry. And the people are begging for more. Oh, if that doesn't describe the problems in America today, we've lost our moral consensus our churches today, our clergy today are celebrating sin. They're saying that you, you can live however you want to live, supporting, encouraging sex outside of marriage, supporting, encouraging sinful lifestyle. Matter of fact, they're, they're a part of it themselves. Celebrating sin. And the people are saying, yes, that's what we want to hear. And there's no more moral compass. Oh, listen to me today. We need, in 2022, it may not be popular church, but we need a church that stands upon the word of God. Amen. You need a place in your life that preaches against sin. I'm telling you, it doesn't always feel good. But God, don't let us get to the place where there is no conviction any longer. Don't let us get to a place where we want to hear things that tickle our ears, that we want to hear things. God may give us a place where sin is preached against and holiness is preached so that we can live for. Amen. We have clergy today. He's saying, Jeremiah is saying, those that are supposed to lead us right, they've led us wrong. Look with me just over a page or so, Jeremiah chapter number eight. Jeremiah chapter eight, 
Verse number 12, Jeremiah says this, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? He asked this question. This is the problem. This is the problem with what's happening. He says their, their, their sin, the, the sinfulness of man, they're not even ashamed anymore. We have a generation of people that no longer blush at sin. We have a generation of people that celebrate sin. You, you know that we're living in this generation where if you don't, if you don't accept someone's sin, you're the one that's wrong. There was a time that sin was kept quiet. And, and I'm not saying that that was right. Sin is sin. There was time that it was kept where no one knew. If someone found out, you were embarrassed. Now the person that's supposed to be embarrassed is the one that tells you that you're wrong. Now what's happening in America today, they're not looking for, for preachers and watchmen and men to stand on the wall and preach against the word of God. They're looking for men to accept the word of God. I just heard this week, I heard someone that had been visiting our church and they said, well, they, I had a friend that, that, that knows of your church and, and they told me I shouldn't go. And I said, why? Well, because you, some of the things that you preach against just isn't, it's, it's just, it's not, it's not right. I said, well, I want to know if I'm preaching against something, you preach against homosexuality and that's just not right. You're not love, you don't preach love and acceptance and, and, and you're preaching against. And I thought to myself, my friend, that ought to be the church you're running to, Amen. not running from. Do you want a pastor that's going to preach, live however you want to live, do whatever you want to do, be whoever you want to be? Or do you want a man of God that says, thus saith the Lord? This is what the word of God says. And I said to this person, oh, listen to me. I, we don't preach what the Bible says because we're full of hate. We do it because we love you. I don't let my kids, I, I don't let my kids just run and do whatever they want to do so that I show my love. No, I, I, I put boundaries and I say, you know, we don't do these certain things. Why? Because I love you. I want you to be right with God. I want you to know God. I want you to experience God. But there's a generation where people no longer blush at their sin. And this is what he's dealing with. Heaven is silent. Earth is filled. But faith does not live by explanation, but by promises. How do we live when heaven is silent? We live by faith. How do we live when it seems like the world is spiraling out of control? Christian, we live by faith. He says this, look with me in verse five and six. Are you with me this morning? Habakkuk chapter number one, verse five and six. The Bible says, behold ye among the heathen in regard and wonder marvelous for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe. Though it be told, for lo, I raise up Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. That The Chaldeans there, they're the, the Babylonians that are going to come and, and devour Judah, devour Jerusalem, take captive all their, their fine young people, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's prophesying. This is the Lord saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to allow the enemies to come, my enemies. And I'm going to allow them to come against you. And they're going to live in your land. They're going to possess your dwelling places. And, and, and this is the, what's going to happen. And it's going to appear to him this, that, that all of my enemies, all of hell is going to be successful. And so he says, heaven is silent. And in man, the earth is sinful. And hell looks like it's successful. 
It gets worse. These Babylonians who are going to come against God's people and they're going to conquer the land. And God says this, behold ye among the heathen, verse five, and regard and wonder marvelously for I will work a work in your days. This is God saying, I'm going to do something. I'm working. You're not going to believe it though it be told you. God says, you wouldn't believe what I'm going to do anyways. Listen to me, so many times we, we want explanation, we want answers. And this is the truth, church. If we had the answers, we wouldn't believe it. Who are we that God has to give us answers? And who are we that if God does, we'd even understand what he's doing? This is why I say we don't live by explanation, but we live by promises. If you want God to explain everything to you, mark it down someplace real big in your notes and underlie in it so you don't forget it. He isn't going to. He isn't going to because he's God. God is not going to explain everything to us. And if he did, you wouldn't understand it anyways. You wouldn't understand it if he did try. Romans chapter 11, we, weren't, we won't turn there, but you mark it down in your notes, please. You go back and you read these verses. Romans chapter 11, verse number 33 and 34. You know what the Bible says? His judgments are unsearchable. His ways are past finding out. Who hath been his counselor? Who counsels God? God is asking this question, who's my counselor? Who do you want me to go to when I need your opinion? I, why would God go to man and seek counsel from man? He's God, he's in control, he's all powerful, he's all knowing, he's amazing, he's holy, he's righteous, he's just. What could we offer him? The Bible says, who's God that he is? been his counselor. Who, who's known? Romans eleven thirty four. Who knows the mind of the Lord? Please mark this down. Write this down, please, this week. And don't forget this. Just because things don't make sense to you doesn't mean that things don't make sense. Just because things don't make sense to you don't mean that things don't make sense. Now, my fifth grader, one of the hardest things in parenting that I've ever found to date is this, trying to help a fifth grader with math. <clears throat> because I feel like the older I get, the harder elementary math becomes. And my younger will come to me and she'll say, dad, this doesn't make sense. And I'll read, read it and I'll say, you're right, it doesn't. Go ask Kaylee. And Kaylee the other night, she did that. And, and we re, I, I even took the book. I thought maybe it was upside down. It wasn't. I'm reading a book. And, I, and Tom, I'm like, this, this makes no sense. Like, just make something up. Your teacher's not going to read it anyways. Just make something up. Put the answer there. She just wants to make sure you did your homework. Put an answer down. I'm kidding. I said, go, go see Kaylee. I, she walks over to Kaylee. She says, Kaylee, and she reads this, and Kaylee gives her the answer. And I'm thinking that made no sense. But just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. Sometimes when we're, what we're dealing with in our life and what we're going through in our life, we can't make sense out of things, but God doesn't have to explain himself to man. Look, look with me in verse number 13 of chapter number one. Thou art purer eyes than to behold evil. Thou canst look on iniquity. Wherefore looketh thou upon them that deal treacherously and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. he here, here Habakkuk is saying, God, I don't understand. If you're so righteous and you're so pure, how can you let this one do this to someone that's better than them, more righteous than them. You know what is interesting here? He's looking at Israel saying, well, at least we're not as bad as them. 
And he's trying to, God, you're so pure. Can't you see that we're not, we might be bad, but not as bad as them. Aren't you glad that God can see the bigger picture? God, how can you let this happen to your people? Listen to me, God isn't looking, well, who's the better of the worst? God wants you to be right with him. Mark this down, number two, would you write this down? Faith doesn't live by appearances, but by providence. Faith doesn't live by appearances, but by providence. Number one, if you write this down, faith does not live by explanations, but by promises. We don't need things explained. We need to just trust the Lord. Number two, faith doesn't live by appearances, but by providence. Look with me in Habakkuk chapter two. Are you with me this morning? Okay. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Habakkuk said this, I'm gonna stop shouting at God. Chapter number one, that's what he's doing. God, where are you? Don't you see what's going on? Explain this to me. Chapter 13, verse 13, explain this. If you're so pure and you're so right, he's shouting at God, where are you, God? In chapter number two, he finally comes to this place, says, you know what? I'm just gonna be quiet. I'm gonna stop shouting at God. I'm going to get quiet and I'm just simply gonna get alone with God. He went up into this tower and when he did, his crying turned into seeing. Sometimes we get so emotional. Sometimes we get so, uh, we cry. Sometimes we cry out so much that if we just simply would stop and see the providence of God. You say, what is the providence of God? That's this, the protective care of God. If we just would simply see the protective hand of God. And that's what he saw. That's what he saw in chapter number two. In chapter number one, he sees his problems. He sees earth's problems. He sees the enemies coming in. He sees all of these things and he's crying out. But in chapter number two, he says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna just stop. Have you ever been so emotional and all you needed to do is just stop and take a breath? How many of you remember, count to 10. In the first five, you were still steaming. But finally, when you got to 10, you're like, oh, all right. That was easy. I better count to 10 again. (laughs) Just calm down. Have you ever said to someone, just calm down. Just listen for a moment. Just, Just take a deep breath. And that's what Habakkuk does in chapter number two. He just calms down. He says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go to this tower. I'm gonna go to this place where it's just me and God. And when he gets to this place, he begins to see the providence of God or the protective care of God. You say, where does he see that? Look with me in verse number two, because I'm glad that you asked. And the Lord answered me, aren't you glad? And said, write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Would you write this down? You know what he saw? He saw, first of all, when he settled down and he stopped crying out and he simply got alone with God, he saw the reliability of Scripture. God said, get out your pen and write a book. What was that that he wrote? Anybody have a guess? The book of Habakkuk. Scripture. He wrote the book of Habakkuk. God says, get out a pen, write this down. He starts to write down. What did he write it down for? He says, I want you to write this down for an appointed time. You know why? Because there's going to be a church in 2021 that's gonna need this, this, this vision from God, this book. All scripture was written by inspiration of God as profitable. 
Do you understand that, yes, Scripture was written some thousands of years ago, but it was written for you and for your benefit? When God said to Habakkuk, I want you to write this down, he knew that there was going to be a time in your life that you were going to look and say, God, why is heaven silent? God, why is earth so sinful? Why do the enemies seem to have success? He knew you were going to deal with that. And so he said to Habakkuk, write it down, because when you come to that day, I want you to rely upon Scripture. Do you think the psalm wrote the psalmist just because he was having a bad day? He wrote it and penned it so that you could have it. How many of you ever read a psalm and it quieted your heart? How many of you ever read a Proverbs and it quieted your heart? How many of you ever read scripture and it quieted your heart? We go to funerals and we read the 23rd Psalm. Why do we read that at funerals and it quiets our heart? Because God said, write these down for an appointed time. Guess what? Part of that appointed time is today. It's in your trial. You might not see all that you need to see. You might not have the appearances, but you have the providence of God. You have the protection of God. You have God's supply. And oh, Christian, listen to me. In your dark days, in the times that don't make sense, when you're crying yourself to sleep and you can't make sense out of things, you have scripture. And that shows you the providence and protection of God. If there's ever a time we need a word from God, it's today. We have a sure word of God. Listen, we, we have people that are just, just crazed, out of control. The world's coming to an end. This and that. And it's so good to go to scripture and say, no, God is in control. Scripture isn't just there when everything's good. It's to settle us when our heart is weary. It's to encourage us when we're discouraged. It's to give us light in the darkest of days. You can rely on Scripture. He also says this, I want you to see the providence of God and you can see it through the reliability of scripture. Number two, you can see it through the resources of the saint. What's the resources of the saint? Behold, verse number four, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by what? His faith. What is the resource of saints? You know what it's called? Faith. Faith. Faith looks beyond the physical and it looks to the spiritual. Faith looks beyond the present and it looks to the future. My friend, we live by faith. Number three, would you write this down? He saw not only the reliability of scripture, he not only saw the resources of the saint, he saw the rest, re, uh, retribution of the sinner. Look with me in verse five and six. Ye also, because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man neither keepeth at home who enlargeth his desire as hell or as, he, or as his death and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations and heapeth unto him all people. Shall not all these take up a parable against him and taunting proverbs against him and say, woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. How long? And to him that ladeth himself with thick clay. Habakkuk is saying, God, how can you let the ungodly people do what they're doing? And God says, I know what I'm doing. Just because God doesn't handle it in your timing doesn't mean that God's not gonna handle it. But please mark that down. Just because he doesn't handle it in your timing, it doesn't mean he's not gonna handle it. Five times in this passage of scripture, he says, woe. He gives a warning. Look in verse number six again. He says, woe to him that increases that which is not his. Or take it, takes what's not his, takes what he hasn't worked for, tries to get ahead by not, by, by not doing it honestly. He says, verse number nine, woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house. Woe to him. You say, it seems like they're getting away with it. They're not getting away with anything. 
Look with me in verse number 12. Woe to him that builds a town which, with blood and establisheth a city by iniquity. Woe to him that, that builds a town with blood. I, 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 say to, I say to every single politician this morning, I say to every single person that is, that is pro-choice pro this morning, woe to him that builds a town with blood and establishes city by iniquity. God, it may seem, it may seem they're getting away with it, but I want you to know that God is seeing it all. Woe to them, he says. Verse number 15, look what he says. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor's drink, that putteth thy bottle to him and maketh him drunken also that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Woe to them, he says. You think you're getting away with it. No, God sees it. Verse number 19, again, God says, woe unto him that saith to the wood, awake, and to the dumb stone arise, it shall teach. What is he saying? Woe to them that are worshiping other gods. Woe to them that are serving other idols. Woe to them that think religion is going to save. No, woe to them that are going to God, to someone other than God. He says, you might think you're getting away with it, but God knows. God says he isn't soft. Sometimes we think because someone's getting away with something, God is soft on sin. Don't be fooled. God is not soft on sin. He knows what he is doing. Look at me in verse number 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Would you mark this down someplace, please? And don't forget this. God is God. You might not understand God, but have faith. The Lord's in his holy temple. He's in control. Here in chapter number two, what happens? He finally realizes this. I don't need answers. I just need to simply look at the providence of God. I need the providence of God. You know what's so interesting? Chapter number one, he's crying out. He doesn't understand. Chapter number two, God doesn't give him any answers. He just simply sees God for who he is in his holy temple. He sees him as righteous. He sees him as just. And that satisfies Habakkuk. And oh, listen to me, church today. You don't need answers to everything. Just simply know God and trust him. Trust him. Stop looking for answers and stop looking, expecting God to tell you something that even if he told you, you wouldn't understand. And then lastly, look at this. Faith doesn't live by circumstances, but by praise. He went from crying out to seeing God to now praising God. Faith doesn't live by circumstances, but by praise. Go with me to chapter number three, a prayer of Habakkuk. Oh Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the, of, of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One, from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. He started out crying and then he went to sing and now he's singing. Today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what hurt, and I'm not minimizing any pain or any hurt that you're going through, I'm simply saying this. Sometimes God is going to choose not to change it. Sometimes you're going to go through it. Sometimes you're going to suffer. Sometimes you're going to have pain. Sometimes there's going to be stress. We just simply need to remember God's glory. We pray so often, God, just remove this from me. If you'll just remove this from me, we'll be happy again. And God's not gonna always remove it. He wants you to see him in his glory in it. What do you do in dark days? Remember God's glory. Habakkuk wanted a reason, but instead he got a revelation. We don't need to know why, we just need to know who. We don't need to know why. We just need to know who. Rejoice in God's goodness. Habakkuk 3, 
Verse number 17 says this, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off of the fold and then there shall be no herds in the stalls. That sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? Although everything goes wrong. Look with me in verse number 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation. Rejoice in God's goodness. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Listen to me today, church. Our joy comes from the Lord, not from circumstances. Not from things. If your joy is in something here upon this earth, it can be gone. Our joy needs to be in what will never change, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? He comes to this conclusion, and I'm done. God is enough. And that's where I came to this week. I hope that you enjoyed my study of my relationship with God this week. This was me. And God brought me to Habakkuk, and I'm reading through Habakkuk, and I'm saying, God... Where are you? You know what I learned? God's enough. He's enough. We don't need anything else. He's sufficient. His word, faith, it's enough. You know what I want to encourage you to do today, church? Let's just trust God. Instead of saying, God, change this, change this, do this, do this, move this, do this, get this person. How can you let this? Instead of, instead of just, just settle down, get alone with God and come to this revelation that Habakkuk came to. God, you're enough. What changed in Habakkuk's day? Nothing. Nothing. God didn't say, okay, Habakkuk, you're right. I'll, I'll bless you and everything's going to go away and all your problems are going to cease and, and don't worry, all your needs are going to be met and don't worry, the Chaldeans are not going to come and don't worry, none of those things are going to happen. We're doing a do-over, I'm all again. Nope. It all, I heard someone say, what's a mulligan? You need to golf. <laughs> we'll never say that again in our church. Tom uses lots of them. <laughs> you made me lose my train of thought, Tom. God is enough. If he doesn't take it away, he's still enough. If the days are still dark, he's still enough. Is God enough? Church, is God enough? Is he enough in 2020 and all the way into 2022? Is he enough in your dark days? Is he enough when family seems to be falling apart? Is he enough when finances seem to be falling apart? Is he enough when it feels like your mind is falling apart? Is he enough? He's enough. Let's trust him. Let's pray. Father, you are enough. And we praise you for that. You are a wonderful God. And you're worthy. Lord, I know for me, I needed to get my eyes off of me and off of this world and off of the circumstances and off of the hurt and all of the situations. And I just needed to come to the place where you are enough. You're holy. You're in your temple and you're righteous and you're just and none of this has phased you and none of this has taken your power and none of this has hindered you in any way you are a strong tower a buckler, a shield our defender and you're enough Lord I pray today for the hurting that you would encourage them I pray for those that are struggling right now with a dark time.
time in their life, Lord, I pray you encourage them with yourself, with your word, by faith, that they would not look to circumstances, but they would look to your glory. And they'd know in their heart that you're enough. You're our God. Would you stand with me this morning? Church, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder how many of you would say this, I needed a reminder that God is enough. I needed that reminder today. Would you just lift your hand? I want us to pray together. God, you see these hands. Lord, you know their hearts, and I pray, Lord, that you would please give them comfort. Lord, I pray that you would give them revelation from you. I pray, Lord, they'd get alone in that tower, alone with you, and you'd reveal yourself to them. That they would understand and sense your power and your glory and your majesty. That you'd heal them carry them through these dark days and this trouble. And I pray that you'd receive glory from it. We ask you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen, church. God bless you. I pray that you leave encouraged today and tell someone about Christ this week and that Christ is enough. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful day.
rain from above Echoes of mercy Whispers of love This is my song